Psalm 119. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to meditate on it as we hear Meredith read it and hear Dave explain the passage to us. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The reading is from Leviticus, chapter 10, verses 1 to 11. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them and added incense. And they offered unauthorised fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honoured. Aaron remained silent. Moses summoned Mishael and Elzaphan, sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, Come here, carry your cousins outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. So they came and carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp, as Moses ordered. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not let your hair become unkempt, and do not tear your clothes, or you will die, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives, all the house of Israel, may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting, or you will die, because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses said. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting, or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. You must distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean, and you must teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Well, it was the middle of December, summer, in the middle of a drought, and yet it was pouring with rain. And so plans were changed the day before because of this forecast downpour. And although things would be different, well, the outcome would be the same. I got dressed in fancy clothes and put my thongs on. Uh, Emily, too, got got dressed all in white, except for the bright, almost fluorescent orange shoes. It was a day we'd spent six months getting ready for. And while the location would change, the ceremony and the rites, well, they would, would, would remain. The, the exchanging of rings and the, and the taking of vows of lifelong faithfulness. And at the end, well, we would be changed. No longer single, but married, Mr. and Mrs. Shannon. At a wedding ceremony, special clothes are worn and, and special rites are made. A, and the result, uh, well, it's a changed status, uh, a changed life. And it's kind of what we see this morning as Aaron and his sons are ordained to the priesthood. 
and begin their service of God and his people. They wear special clothes and special rites and ceremonies are made. And what they show us is that God, God's holiness requires holy mediators. Uh, last week we saw that God graciously provided the sacrificial system for his people to deal with their sin, where an animal died in place of the person who made the offering. And while each offering was slightly different, they dealt with God's wrath, God's anger at sin, and the impurity and stain that sin left. You see, these offerings were a regular reminder of their sinfulness and the need to, to deal with it through, the, through an offering, the sacrificial system. But a sinful people who couldn't enter God's holy presence because of his holiness, who could make these offerings? Who would be able to come in before God and enter his holy place and make these offerings? Well, enter the priesthood. Priests were God's holy mediators who became ritually holy and they entered the holy parts of the tent on behalf of the people. And, and what follows is the, the, the rituals and ceremonies that change them uh, into God's holy priests. But you see, it wasn't a permanent change. They could become uh, unholy, uh, as we'll see. Well, in chapter 8, we see the ordination of Aaron and his sons, which leads them to be consecrated, which means that they are set apart. They become holy. You see, they are ordained to be consecrated. Now, look here at uh, chapter 8, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron and his sons, their garments, the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, the two rams and the basket containing bread made without yeast, and gather the entire assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the assembly gathered at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Well, Moses gets those who are getting ordained. He brings them together. But then he grabs all the things he needs for the ordination, the special clothes, the offerings and the like. And, and he gathers all the people, the whole assemblies to watch this ceremony take place because they need to know the ones who are being set apart, that these are the ones who will be able to serve them in their holy God. Well, there's a couple of things to notice uh, in this uh, in, in this section here. Uh, the first is that it's happening at the entrance of the tent of meeting. You see here, uh, we, we see here in this, this picture that the tent of meeting was the holy place. And so nothing unholy could enter into that section. And that included everyone. But see, once Aaron had been and the other priests had been consecrated once they'd been made holy. Well, they could enter that place. But for now, they can't enter, and so they're just at the entrance. The other thing to notice is there in verse 4, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. We see this expression repeated 10 times throughout chapter 8. Each step that Moses follows, he does as the Lord has commanded him. 
Well, let's continue there at verse 5. Moses said to the assembly, This is what the Lord has commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. Aaron and his sons were entering a ritual purity. They were being set apart to approach the holy altar and minister within the holy tent. And so they were becoming holy in the process. And the first thing they had to do was to be washed with water, to become uh, purified. And then there were these specific clothes that that they needed to to wear. And, And these clothes communicated that they were holy, that they did holy things in service of their holy God. And you see, the people who saw these clothes, they knew instantly uh, who they were and what their role was. And you see, it's similar for us today as we see a police officer or or a soldier or someone who works at Macca's or even an umpire at the footy. We see their uniform and we know who they are and what they do. You see, it's the same for the priests. They wore these clothes and it showed the big responsibility that they had that they were set apart, they were holy, able to be in God's presence. It was a big role. And and as a result, uh, the people, well, they were to respect and honour them in light of their responsibility, in light of them doing the dangerous thing of being in God's presence on their behalf to bring the offerings for them. Well, they're they're dressed. And then Moses, he, he anoints everything with oil. Have a look there at verse 10. Uh, then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it, and so consecrated them. You see, Moses here anoints the tent. Then all the stuff in the courtyard and Aaron, and he consecrates everything with this oil. And notice that they're now consecrated. They're now holy. They've been set apart that they can be used in the service of their holy God. And then come the offerings, the the sin offering, the the burnt offering and the ordination offering. Look, we looked at these last week, so I won't spend too much time uh, again on them uh, uh, this morning. But but do notice uh, a couple of things. Uh, The first one's there in verse 14. He, that is Moses, presented the the bull for the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on its head. You see, Aaron and his sons lay their hands on the bull. They press their hands against the head of the bull, uh, the sin offering. And we saw this last week. When someone did that uh, on the animal, it symbolized like a confession of sin. They were recognizing their sinfulness and guilt in laying their hands on this animal. And, as, and, and that this animal that they were offering, well, that became their substitute. That the animal died in their place. Well, in verse 15, there's the the sin offering, uh, which was a purification offering. You see, the altar, the tents, everything was defiled by by Aaron and and everyone's sin because sin leaves a nasty stain. And so before the the, the tent and and the, the altar and all these things could be used in the service of their holy God, well, blood from the sin offering was needed to, to purify, to, to disinfect the tent and, and all those things. And that's why we see the blood being splashed and sprinkled and dropped and put here, there and everywhere. You see, it was a way to purify all those things that they could serve their holy God. 
we then see the burnt offering in verse 18, where again, Aaron and his sons place their hands on the head of the offered ram uh, to deal with their sin and turn aside God's wrath and anger at his sin. And then there's the ordination offering in verse 22, and that's kind of like a, a fellowship offering. And then they're consecrated. They are holy. But they are given this warning in verse 33. Follow along from here. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting for seven days until the days of your ordination are complete. For your ordination will take seven days. What has been done today was commanded by the Lord to make atonement for you. You must stay at the entrance of the tent of meeting day and night for seven days and do what the Lord requires. So you will not die, for this is what I have been commanded. So Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord commanded through Moses. Well, the ordination process took a week, and through these specific rituals, Aaron and his sons, well, they become the holy priests. Uh, They've been brought to a a state of holiness. They are now able to, to mediate, serve the Lord their God, their holy God, in his holy tent on behalf of the people. A couple of things to to, to notice here. Uh, The first is that sin's universal and all-pervasive. You see, Aaron and his sons, they pollute the tent and everything with their sin. And so offerings are needed to to purify it. And then their, their clothes and bodies were stained by sin too. And so offerings were needed. You see, their sin was so deep rooted, so affected who they were that Every single day, they need to make offerings in light of their sin. You see, the priest's sinfulness and their inability to remove sin really helps us see the wonder and amazement of the Lord Jesus, who was the the great high priest for us. In Hebrews, we read this. Unlike the other high priests, Jesus does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed uh, He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. You see, Jesus was totally different. Jesus is totally different from us. He knew no sin and he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice once for all to deal with our sin. And yet, you see, we're really similar to Aaron and the priests because sin's universalness and all-pervasiveness, well, that affects us too. We too are are sinful, and so we need to regularly, daily be confessing our sins. But see, we don't need to make a, a daily offering like they did because the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Well, the other thing to notice here is that the priests needed to approach their holy God in the right manner. If they didn't, well, they would die. They were required to follow these elaborate processes to become holy. But you see, it wasn't a permanent thing. They, and they couldn't become holy on their own accord or, or their own will. You see, on their own will, well, they, well, they were just sinful and uh, defiled. That's what they brought to the table. But see, when they follow these intricate details step by step, they became holy. 
enabled to serve their holy God. Aaron and his sons, well, they've been ordained. And we've seen this elaborate, colourful ceremony. Uh, and they've become holy uh, in the process. And as we see in chapter 9, Aaron takes his place as the high priest and begins his priestly duties. Uh, and so after finishing their seven days of ordination, uh, we continue from the start of chapter 9. Uh, have a look here. On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. He said to Aaron, take a bull calf for, for your sin offering and a ram for your burnt offering, both without defect, and present them before the Lord. Then say to the Israelites, take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb, both year old without defect, for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for a fellowship offering, to sacrifice before the Lord, well, together with a grain offering mixed with olive oil. For today, the Lord will appear to you. Aaron begins his priestly duties, and it's a day that's full of sacrifices and offerings. But before he can make offerings on behalf of the people, well, he needs to deal with his own shortfalls, his own sin by making atonement uh, through uh, offerings. And then he can make offerings on behalf of the people. But did you notice the absolutely incredible thing about this day? Uh, it's there at the end of verse 4. For today, the Lord will appear to you. God will be present among them. Well, Aaron makes... Uh, all the offerings for himself and then for the people. And then he lifts his hands by, uh, before the people by way of blessing them. And then he stands down. His, his work is, is done. And then the incredible thing happens in verse uh, 23. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. And this is incredible because this is Aaron's first time into the tent of meeting. And you see... It's helpful because it actually shows all the people who are watching that Aaron has been accepted by the Lord as their mediator. He is able to be in his holy tent. Well, Moses and Aaron, they go into the tent and when they come out, they bless the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Incredible. God was in their midst. His, present, uh, his presence uh, in his glory is seen among the people. And while we're not really told what God's appearance looks like here, we get a bit of an idea from other parts of the Bible, from, from Exodus where he appears like a fiery cloud that descends on the tent. And then fire comes out from within the, from within the cloud and the fire consumes the offering that are, that are burning away on the altar. And this is an incredible, remarkable sight that the people, they, they saw it. And in, in a whole body response, they, they shout for joy and fall flat. On their face in awe. 
they shout for joy by way of praising their Lord and they fall flat on their face by way of acknowledging that that someone far superior is before them. You see, it's their way of showing honour and, and respect to God. Like one might bow before a queen or an official. Uh, God's people are giving their holy God, their holy Lord, the praise and glory he's due for being present among them. And it's a whole body response to their holy Lord who wants their whole lives uh, to be given in service of him. And you see, Hebrews picks up uh, this idea. You see, for us as believers of the Lord Jesus, we put our, our trust uh, in him and we serve him wholeheartedly. Uh, but we're a little bit different from the Israelites because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. We've just seen God as a consuming fire and as the people responded in a whole body response. But in Leviticus, well, their worship was to make offerings and, and follow the law. But you see, for us too, we too are to worship God acceptably. But see, it's not in song and music. It really, that, that understanding of worship is such an inadequate way of understanding the word worship. You see, worship is the whole of your life in service of, of God. Our worship of the Lord covers every single aspect of our life. Not just as we gather on Sundays and, and sing songs, not just as we meet midweek. No, no, no. Worship covers absolutely every single aspect of your life, every minute of it, every day. You see, it'll be the way that we treat those people in authority above us or treat those people who are subordinate to us below us it'll 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 our worship will be the way that we pay our bills the way that we follow the road rules and drive our cars and even the way we listen to the ruling authorities the government whom god has placed above us and follow their lockdown rules on a curfew and, and where you can travel because we do these things as a whole body response we do that because this is our worship to our lord but see, we also do it in giving God the reverence and awe he deserves. And I like what other translations have here. They have reverence and fear. You see, it's an acknowledgement of God's holiness and almighty power that we recognize that. And that is something to be fearful of. His great awe and fear, who, who knows all things and sees all things. And you see, this is our motivation to, to live in service of and, and worship our King and Lord with our entire lives, who is a consuming fire and respond in our whole being in service of him. We've seen fire come out of the presence of the Lord in blessing. But as we come to chapter 10, fire comes out of the presence of the Lord again, but this time in judgment. It's a fiery judgment. And it's interesting, we can see a great contrast in what we've just seen and what we're about to see. Because Moses and Aaron repeatedly do what the Lord has commanded. Well, let's have a look here at the start of chapter 10. 
Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. You see, Aaron's two oldest sons here, Nadab and Abihu, approached the Lord with unauthorized fire. And although we don't know the full full details of, of what's happened, see the key words come there that it was contrary to his command. They weren't commanded to do this. They approached God at a time they weren't meant to approach God. And in a way, they weren't meant to approach God. And we see at the start of Leviticus chapter 16 that they tried to enter the most holy place, the holy of holiest place, which only one, the high priest, could enter once a year. You see, they tried to go there when they weren't authorized to enter. They'd made a massive breach of how they were to approach their holy God. In fact, they disrespected the Lord. And as a result, well, they became defiled and unholy. And when a holy God comes in contact with something defiled, unholy, well, the Lord judges them quickly. And they're consumed in a fiery judgment. And you see, this served as a reminder of the holiness of God. God set out how the priesthood were to approach him. And in any other way, wasn't on. They couldn't just approach God willy-nilly however they wanted. There were proper ways for them to come into the presence of their Lord, their Holy Lord. We've already seen it with the, with the elaborate ceremonies that, that brought them to that state of holiness. They needed to do particular things in a particular way. And, and if they overstepped or understepped, we see they faced God's fiery judgment you see the lord came down hard on nadab and abihu because they were god's holy mediators because if they because if god hadn't done that on the first day what does that actually say about god's holiness and and how do you think uh people might think about how they approach him you see one might think well god doesn't care about holiness oh it doesn't really matter we can do whatever we want but you see that's that's not true as we have seen. You see, God was a holy God and he expected holiness from his people. We will look at this uh, as we continue to work through the book of Leviticus. But you see, he particularly wanted holiness from his priests. He expected a higher standard from his priests because they were leaders of his people. And you see, it's kind of like a captain of a ship. Uh, They're responsible for everyone on the ship. And if a captain makes a bad decision and the ship crashes and and people die, well, well, the captain will be judged more harshly for their error because they are responsible. They are responsible as they captain, as they lead this ship because it happened on their watch. You see, Nadab uh, Nadab and uh, Abihu, they had a big responsibility. They were God's holy priests, but they blew it. And they face the consequences for their actions. You see, the rest of the chapter uh, shows that despite their sin and fiery judgment, you see, the priesthood continues. Aaron remains faithful to the Lord and his commands. 
You see, God's holy priests, as leaders of the people, they were to follow the Lord's commands closely because they were to teach them to, to the people. They were God's representatives, their mediators, and they were to set an example in following the commands or faced a severe, fiery judgment. And you see, this is the same for gospel ministers today. Sure, ministers uh, like priests should be given the due respect and honour as they deserve for, for leading among us. But you see, that doesn't mean a leader can do whatever they want. Our behaviour, our conduct, our godliness matters. Because ministers, leaders will be judged more severely than the rest. Have a look at what James says. He says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. You see, Nadab and Abihu serve as a warning for ministers like me who teach God's people. You see, we will be judged more strictly on our godliness and the way we've treated others and God. And so can I encourage you to pray for your leader's character, their godliness? That's Chewy and, and, and I and any other leader you'll have in the future. Pray that we wouldn't be driven by pride, arrogance, greed and be quarrelsome but would be above reproach, sober-minded, self-controlled, love God's word, that we wouldn't sway to a left or right, but stay on its path, that we would be willing to be corrected when needed. I'd love you to pray this for me. Will you pray that for me? Nadab and Abihu fell short of God's holy standards and were judged more strictly because God's holiness expected a high standard from his leaders. And while God remained present among them, this reminded them of God's holiness. And that is why he gave them the holy priesthood and the holy mediators, that they would be above reproach and be able to come before their holy God in the right manner. You see, ceremonies and rites, the clothes and offerings, they were a reminder of God's holiness. And he graciously provided a holy priesthood who could approach their holy God on their behalf. And while God's people were to respond with their whole lives in service of him, well, it's the same for us today. So we don't need to make offerings of animals to, to sacrifice that he's gone. Jesus has dealt with that once for all. But we are to give our lives. We, pardon me, we are to give our lives in worship and service of the Lord in every area of life. You see, approaching God with reverence and awe for God is a consuming fire. Should we pray? Let's pray. Father, we uh, give you great thanks for the book of Leviticus and another great reminder of your holiness. You are a holy, holy God. Uh, and yet in your mercy you, you, and your grace, you provided a way that your people could be in your holy presence through sacrifices and through a holy uh, priesthood. Uh, Father, we do thank you for that. Um, we do pray that um, 
uh, for, for us, although we don't need to make these same offerings, you do want our whole lives to be given in, in service of you, uh, that we would recognize your holiness, that we would come, uh, come to you uh, in reverence and awe, knowing that you are a consuming fire. Father, do help us to have every aspect of our lives, to examine every aspect of our lives, and that we would uh, use that in, in worship of, of you, that we would be godly and above repair in all the different areas uh, of, of our life. Father, please help us in the areas that we struggle with. Uh, help us repent of the sin we need to repent of and, and give us your spirit, continue to work through us by your spirit to be more and more like Christ. Father, we, we pray this, uh, that we may uh, live lives in recognition, in reverence, and all for you. Our God is a consuming fire. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.